Well, good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. Hey, I was, I greeted that west door. And so, good problem. I mean, parking lot's full. I want you to know, we have signed a parking agreement with Seven Day Furniture. They can use our parking. We can use theirs, which means we can take, especially on Sunday mornings, they don't open to 11. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of parking spots right out here, you know, right over the berm and Probably there's 30 of them, and you'll notice there's six or seven cars there. Those are our cars. But anyway, we can use their parking. So as you come in and it's full and you want to take a right into that lot right there and then walk up, feel free to do that. Um, Like I said, we have a signed parking agreement with them. August of 78, I got in my 1971 Lime Green Comet and drove off to College Station, Texas. It it was a beautiful, beautiful car. And I stopped outside College Station to get a Coke, and the gentleman that was behind the counter said, oh, you headed off to college? I said, yeah, what year are you? I'm a freshman. Oh, you're just getting started? Yeah. He says, oh, those will be, these will be the best days of your life. These will be the best days of your life, best four years of your life. You know, that statement stressed me out, because I thought, you know, if these are the best four years, I'm on the clock, and it, at 22, it all goes downhill. So I better hit every social event, every party, and oh, by the way, I was majoring in chemical engineering, you're going to really have to study there, blah, 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 blah. I was was stressed because I didn't, these were the best four years, I didn't want to miss out. I came to faith as a freshman and I began to see that differently. But I fear many people live like I started out living that, that freshman year in college. It's, life is, I, I better get everything I can, as much as I can, as fast as I can. And in that, we run ourselves ragged and crazy. So this morning, I want to ask the question, where do we find fullness of life? God is going to suggest it's a little different than what culture tells us. So we've got a Bible open to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 to 14. And we're going to work through uh, this passage asking the question, where do we find fullness of life? Now, as I mentioned on the highlights, we are in the midst of the gospel, the good news series. This is, um, this is the base of what we believe. This, this is what it's all about. This is why we're here on Sunday mornings. And people hear gospel and they think, that's good news, it gets me into heaven. Yeah, it, it certainly does. It certainly does that. It changes your eternal destiny. But it does a whole lot more, and I, th- I think we miss out on that. And that's what I want to talk on this morning. So Colossians 1, 1 and 2 is, is the opening of the letter, and I won't read that, but it's Paul um, telling people that he's an apostle, writing to people who are committed followers of Jesus. So in verse 3, he said, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Praying always for you. And, and this idea of prayer is going to come back up. Paul's going to get real specific on what he's praying. But he's praying for them. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. There's a, a link there between faith in Christ and love for other people. It's a natural outflow. Because if we're indeed trusting in Christ and we're growing more like him, We're going to begin to love people like he loved us, unconditionally giving ourselves for them. And and Paul said, I'm hearing about that, that that natural outflow, that that you have a love for all the saints. And saints are not special people, they're just people who are believers in Jesus. Uh, Verse 5, 
because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So, so you've, you've got a hope in heaven. Now in the New Testament, when the word hope is used, it's a sure thing. Okay, so people may be 49ers fans, they may be Chiefs fans, and they're hoping their team wins, but they don't know. They don't know how this is going to play. I'm, I'm hoping the Chiefs win. Do you know that? No, I don't know. It's, it's the, the line's a point. It's a close game. We're, we're wanting out some outcome. We're not sure. When, when New Testament talks about hope in heaven for you. That, that's not in question. There's no point spread on, on the hope in heaven. It's yours if you have faith in Jesus. That hope in heaven is not a reason to check out. It's a reason to love people because I'm going to be stepping into something that is beyond me, that is beyond what I can imagine. This hope in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. There's our word. Gospel, if you see the front of your bulletin, it means good news. And the good news is this. Every one of us was estranged from God because every one of us has a sin nature which tells God, I don't think I want you running my life. I'll do my own thing. You go your way, I'll go mine. Bible calls that sin. That rebellion creates an eternal separation because God, our creator, we reject his rightful rule. And when we do that, there's a penalty that comes out of that separation. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the son of God, Second member of the Trinity, according to the plan of the Trinity, came and lived the life, take on human flesh we were supposed to live, submitted to the Father completely, right up to the point. He died on the cross according to the plan of God. He rose again three days later, and when we trust him, our sin, our rebellion is forgiven, and our relationship with, with him is restored, and we step into this hope. And as Paul's going to explain, this, this hope is far beyond what we might have imagined. So, Paul says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it's been doing in you since the day you've heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. This gospel is going on, Paul says, around the known world. And that continues today. This, it's not just settled here in Lincoln, Nebraska, or the United States. It is making Inroads around the world. And I, I would argue in sub-Saharan Africa and in, in, in the third world, it is making far greater inroads than it is here in the so-called first world. As a church family, we are connected with, with two families that are outside our borders. The Winters, David Stacy are in Haiti. And Hudson and Christina Shires are in France. Um, shooting video into North Africa to reach the Muslim world. And they are seeing the fruit of the gospel. It is making headway around the world. And so Paul, he, he gives thanks for these people. And he says, uh, this, this gospel, it has been bearing fruit increasing in, in you since the day you heard of it. it there's, there's an ongoing work. The coming to the gospel is both an event and a process. And, and Paul's going to talk about that process here in just a little bit. Verses 7 and 8, he mentions the fact that they heard the word, the word through Epaphras. And in verse 9, he begins to elaborate on this, this prayer he has for them. He says, for this reason, since the day we have heard of it, the day of their salvation, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, 
What is it? Why is it Paul is so committed to praying for them? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But one of them is he doesn't believe they understand the fullness of the gospel. And in fact, I mean, probably none of us do. It's going to take an eternity. But, but they're unaware that there's so much more out there. So I say, hey, I'd, I'd like to send you to camp. Uh, this is just an example. Okay, it's not for real. I'd like to send you to camp. And, and maybe you're kind of like, mm, yeah. maybe. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about this camp, okay? It's got a theater. And it's got a, a gym. It's got a, a five-star restaurant. It's got a, it's got a water park. There, there's a lot more to this camp than, than I originally told you. It, well, you, you get that information. You might think, well, yeah, tell me, let's, let's talk a little bit more about this, this camp. Well, that's what's going on here with the gospel. Paul said, there's so much more than getting you into heaven. He says, I, I, I'm praying that God would open your eyes that you'd understand what you have. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, when he talks about the knowledge of his will, he's not talking about the specifics. So do I take this job? Do I marry this person? Do I this? No, he's talking about God's redemptive will. Yes, God wants to restore relationship with you. But he's begin to begin to work in you. What? That your values and priorities change, that you become more and more like Christ. And more and more, you begin to find your worth not in what you have or who, what you, job you have or who you're connected to, but your worth and value is in Christ. More and more, God wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants to develop those characters in you. As this gospel, this good news, God running and directing your life, empowering your life, takes hold. He wants to give you a quality of life that can't be found in the creation. And then he says, that you, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. One of the things you understand is God has created laws in his creation. And we can doubt those laws. We can say we don't believe them. But that doesn't make them any less true. You can doubt gravity. You can say you don't believe in gravity. But you step off the 24th floor, you're going down. I don't care what you believe. God has set up certain laws. And, and it, we, we're going to live our life in in relation to those laws. And then he says, I, I'm praying that you live with spiritual wisdom. Wisdom, somebody once described to me, is skill at living life. You know how to live life. So when I was back at Texas A&M, this is years and years ago, we used to build this big bonfire before we played Texas. Texas was our rival, last game of the year. And so we would go out and cut outside of College Station. Somebody would donate land and People would go out and cut. And, and I'm a city kid. I never swung an axe in my life. And most of these kids, A&M had the ag school, so we had the kids from Snook and Old Dime Box. And, and I would watch these guys swing an axe. They could drop a tree in a couple of strokes. Not me. I was kind of a, a, a wild. I'm, I'm hacking away. And at one point, I, I got tired, and I, I brought the axe down, and it was kind of right by my foot. And the guy said, whoa, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have you carry out the trees. 
It's not that I lacked energy. I just didn't have any skill. These guys were skilled. They knew what they were doing, and they drop a tree like that? Paul says, I'd like you to live life with skill. We're flailing around, and in some places, we're hurting ourselves. Paul said, I'm praying that you get wisdom and understanding and insight so that you don't live that way. See, fullness of life is not found in thrashing around. It's found in understanding Jesus. So we're asking this question, where do we find fullness of life? Fullness of life grows as we understand our fullness in Christ. Our fullness of life grows as we understand our fullness in Christ. And and that's a process, growing and understanding. So, when I started seminary, the only type papers I had done, I, I, I had typed. And I was on a staff team with Campus Crusade with somebody who had a a word computer, they had a word processor. And they told me, you ought to try this. You can, you can type your paper on a computer. I thought, no, that, that just can't be. I mean, you type your paper on a typewriter. Well, let me, why don't you try it? They said, why don't you just try it? And they said, why don't you come over and you can use it. And hey, you don't need to bring any white out. You don't need to bring any white out when you come use this thing. Okay, I'll try it. And so they got on, and, and you start typing away, and, and you make a mistake, and, and you don't need whiteout. You can, you, can, you can backspace and do that. And then if you want to change a word, I don't like that word, you got the arrow key, and you can go back. But I had trouble. I would mix those up. I want to, I want to get, change that word, and I hit the backspace key because I didn't know, and I, I'm erasing words I don't want to erase, and this is frustrating. Here, let, let me explain it to you again. Don't hit the backspace. Hit the arrow key. Hit the arrow key, and you get over there, and then, then you hit the backspace. Well, I grew to where, hey, this word processor is pretty slick, and then... Then if you have to do footnotes and you're on a typewriter, you've got to figure out, where do I, if, you, if you're not going to do endnotes, you can do footnotes, how much space do I need at the bottom of the page? But you know what this word processor had? They had a thing you could go up and you could go footnote. And, and, and then it would automatically place it for you. But wow, this, is, this thing's pretty amazing. This thing's pretty slick. Well, the gospel's like that. Christ is like that. We think, we we don't know what he has for us. And Paul's saying, I pray that you're, you can be opened to this. When Jesus was on the earth, he was ministering to a, a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well, and, and it, he had finished his conversation, and, and the, the disciples came back and thought, man, you, Jesus, you haven't eaten in a while. And they came to him, and they kind of, aren't you hungry? And, and Jesus made this statement, and he, he turned the phrase, he was doing a metaphor, but he says, my food, that which drives me, is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Jesus said, I, I, what, 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 what fuels me is to do the will of God. Hey, all of us, we got limited time. Maybe we got 50, 60, 80 years life. I, I don't know what we got. Where do you think you're going to max out in life? Chasing after this, doing that? Jesus would say, I, I think you're going to do it by doing the will of God, by being fueled by him. And, and that Paul is praying that their eyes would be open. 
So here's what he prays. He continues his prayer in verse 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You'd reflect him. You'd remind people of Jesus. To please him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work. Every work you do, everything you do, you go to the grocery store, you go wherever, you, you walk, take a walk with your neighbor. That can be a fruitful work because you're representing Christ. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with power according to his glorious might. So we've had two houses built here in Lincoln and every time we, we kind of follow along we've done it and you go and see how it's coming along and and the people that you know I, I just watch from the road they're skilled but you know these people that are skilled laborers they are sure helped by having power tools you know these people that are framing and then go nail gun and watch them go along that just seems like a lot faster their, their, their work is powered or enhanced by power tools Paul says there's a God who wants to strengthen you, to empower you what you're doing. To what end? For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Steadfastness is we're continuous, we're consistent. And patience. We're not in a hurry, we're not frustrated, we're not angry. I thought about patience, and I got to confess, I was going home, and when I go home, I go, go west on Superior, and it becomes Havelock, and it's two lanes, and, and somebody's driving slowly below the speed limit in the left lane. It's not like this is I-80. This is an in-town thing, but I, I, I get around them, and I go around them, and you, you kind of take it, and what I do, I, I get up, and then there's a stoplight there at Superior and Cornhusker, and you know who pulls up beside me? the person I passed. And, and I fear that's the way we're living life. We're, we're going ahead and getting ahead and, and can I get this? And then we look aside and, and there's what we were trying to get around. Paul, Paul says, I want you to live with patience. And, and then he goes on saying, joyously giving thanks to the Father. Are you a grateful person? Are you a person of gratitude? You know, I, I meet somebody, maybe they, they've come through a crisis, there was, maybe there was a health scare and it's not there, they have a job and they didn't have a job and they got one, they couldn't have a child and they, they were, and, and, and they're people living with gratitude. And, and it just doesn't matter what's going on in their life because they're so grateful because of what has gone on. You've got a great outlook in life. about fullness of life. People can live with gratitude. Paul said, I, I, we, we can be people who are, are characterized by, by gratitude. We can be grateful all the time. And I, I, I'd like your eyes to be open to this. Why, well, why can we be people who, who, who are joyously giving thanks? Well, end of verse 12, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. My parents died in 2010 and 2012. It took a while to settle the estate, but each one of the three sons got a, a sum of money. Now that's changed our financial situation. You know what we did to earn that sum of money? Nothing. 
My father-in-law has done something interesting. He's 87, and he's in a, a, um, assisted living, but he has already distributed. He's living. He's already begun to distribute to his two daughters, one my wife and one his sister who lives in Shreveport. That's kind of where we are. We're in inheritance. We have something that we, doesn't, we didn't earn in terms of quality of life. And God's be, began to distribute it, but there's more where we get, but, but we can begin to tap into that inheritance right now. And do you know what we did to deserve that inheritance? Nothing. We're just the beneficiaries of a quality of life. And that inheritance is going to go on. It's going to take eternity to figure it out. It's one reason we can be thankful people. We've got an inheritance. Second, uh, verse 13, for he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We've been rescued. When our older son was about a year and a half, maybe 20 months, we were over at a friend's house. They had an above ground pool and all the little kids were playing there. And all of a sudden his legs go out from under him and he is face down in the water. And he is moving his arms and he is kicking his legs and he cannot lift his head. Well, I'm watching on the side, and I'm bolt in there, and I've got to, I pick him up. <laughs> he spits out that water, and, and he was fine. But that image stayed with me. He could not pull his head out of the water. He needed to be rescued. Do you understand we were face down in sin? We were face down in ourselves. And God he rescued us. He pulled us out of that. That's a reason to be grateful. One more. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption. Again, a picture, a powerful word picture for the forgiveness of sins. Redemption is a term from the slave market. You and I were sold into slavery. We were sold into pleasing ourselves. And it was killing us. And God bought us back, not with the price, with the blood of his son. The story about Abraham Lincoln is before he was president. He's coming back to Illinois, and he pulled in a ship, and there was a slave market going on, and he saw a young woman on the block, and he could not stand it. So he bought her. And the slave was delivered to him. And he said to her, you're free to go. And she says, I'll follow you. If you bought me back, and I don't think she ended up following him, but her initial reaction was, you bought me back, I'll follow you. We've been redeemed. We were enslaved. We were bought back. We ought to follow the one. If he bought us back, what is he going to hold back on us? This gospel, it is good news, and it is more than getting us into heaven. It has implications right now. There's fullness of life in it. And Paul is praying, I'm praying the eyes of your heart are open that you can see what you have. Many of us think follow God, that would ruin life. No, no, no. Paul would argue differently. He would argue it's fullness of life. I've mentioned this before. We're basing this series on a book called Basic Training for Walking with Jesus by Mike Hendricks. And, and I'm pulling a at least the, the passages from what he teaches. But he, he talks about this and, and he asks some questions related to Colossians 1, 1 to 14. He asked, from what? From what were you rescued? Eternal separation from God. Death. 
drowning in your own sin. Last Sunday afternoon, I was home. I was thinking around on the internet, and I began to see words. We Bryant has died. You're kidding. You're kidding. Well, the rest of the day confirmed that, and most of you know the story. He was on a helicopter, and it went down. So here's the question I ask. Kobe Bryant was worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. What would he have paid to be rescued from that helicopter? How much of his money would he have spent to be rescued from that helicopter? That, that option wasn't there. <laughs> you and I were going down. And, and we didn't have a way out. Jesus rescued us. We've been rescued from an eternity separated from God that would start now and move into eternity. I pray we'd be thankful people. Next question, Hendricks asks, in what ways were you living in darkness? See, we get consumed with self and, and we think it's all about us. That was in my second year, Campus Crusade staff, and we were kind of evaluating the year with the, my director and you know, he was married, he had twin girls when I got there, and then they had a son, and a newly married couple. And I, I said, you know, Kent, I'm, I'm a little kind of disappointed with the team. He said, well, Andy, what, what, did, what did you want from us? And, and we talked it through, and he made this statement to me. He said, Andy, you expect a lot out of relationships. And I, I began to re reflect on that. I, I'm wanting these people to fill a need that, that only Christ can fill. And see, see that's, that's the culture of living with self. It's all about me. And I was even poisoning relationships because you're not, you're not doing enough for me. In what ways were you living in darkness? Uh, do you think your, your worth is in what you own? See, we're going to do communion and we're going to sing a song at the end about reflection. And you're going to sing, my worth is not in what I own. See, our culture tells you it is, or it's at least in what you drive or what you wear. You, you buy that, you're, you're enslaved. That's a way in which we can be living in darkness. No, no our worth is in, in God. And then Hendricks asked a, a third question. Uh, um, what are the results of this transfer? You've got inheritance, uh, you've been rescued, and you've been redeemed. These are words that picture what Jesus has done for us. Again, Mike mentioned it. If this is new to you, I invite you to sign up for the launch class. We're going to go into the last few lessons in this book. Just talk about how we foster, how we grow in our relationship with God. But to think we get saved and we find fullness of life down here in the creation and not in the creator is a mistake. And Paul's saying, I'm praying your eyes get open to the fact that fullness of life is not found in the creation. It is found in the creator. So we mentioned it. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. And I don't really have a dog in the fight since I know lots of friends who are Chiefs fans. I'm going to pull for the Chiefs. And since we're closer to Kansas City, we'll, we'll just run with that. Okay, so let's say, the Chiefs, let's say the Chiefs win today. Do we have some Chiefs fans who will be excited about that? Excited about that? Okay. Okay, so the Chiefs fans, what, there's just some things that could happen as a result of winning. You may order a Super Bowl championship T-shirt. And when you get that, you will wear that Hummer out. And you will wear a cap too. Super Bowl champs. You'll get that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll take a day off and go down to the parade. And man, that would be, be awesome going to the parade. And there's Mahomes and there's Andy Reid. And man. And then you can look at, you can look at YouTube clips, can't you, of, of the plays. 
and stuff. And man, that'd be, that'd be so cool. That'd be great. Let me tell you, six months from now, that t-shirt will be something you use to do some household painting or some do the lawn. And the YouTube clips, you'll, you'll watch them. I mean, you'll watch them a lot this next week and a little bit the next week, but by week three or four, you'll be done. And Monday, assuming the Chiefs win, I mean, the ESPN will be all over, all over the Super Bowl. Tuesday, they'll talk about it a little bit, and by Wednesday, they're going to be on talking. I don't, I don't know what's coming up, the NBA All-Star game. I, it, what, what's my point? You take the ultimate in creation. It will not satisfy you. It is passing. It will fade. Why? Because it's part of the creation. You're looking for fullness of life. If that's what you're looking for and you look for it in the creation, you're going to be disappointed. And Paul is praying for the Colossians. And it's worth praying for each other. And we ought to know that fullness of life ain't found, not found in the creation. It is found in the creator. Would your eyes and your heart be open? Would you live life with skill and understanding and wisdom? Could you live joyously with thanksgiving no matter what the circumstances? Why? Because you are tapped in to this gospel and to this Christ who is known in the gospel. Fullness of life. It ain't in. It ain't in the creation. It's in the creator. You want to grow fullness of life? It's not in what you own. It's not in getting ahead. It's in understanding the fullness you have in Jesus. Tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to celebrate this Jesus in the form of communion. So if you're a person who's serving at a communion table, if you would hop up there and start getting ready, I would appreciate that. As they move up to the front, uh, please know, we don't, beca- we don't believe this becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus. This is a memorial. We're remembering this Christ whose body was broken and whose bled- blood was shed for us, that we can be having this conversation about where we find fullness of life, that we can talk about the gospel, or that we can talk about living joyously with thanksgiving. You do not need to be a member of North Point Community Church to participate. If you're a follower of Jesus, please, we invite you. We encourage you to join with us. If you're not sure where you are in that relationship, please feel free to watch. No need to be embarrassed. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and if we hit these two tables on this side, the, the far on, on that side, That'd be great. There's um, a little tray there that's got uh, gluten-free if, the, if that's what you need. But I invite you to consider, where are you looking for fullness of life? Looking for the gospel? Some other place. Paul and I others would beg us that we get us eyes off the creation and look on the creator. Let me pray. So, Lord, we are grateful for this Jesus. Um, fullness of life is in him. Restoration, redemption, rescue is in Jesus. I I pray we would be people that take hold of that and never lose that. And as a result, be people who live life of gratitude, joyously giving thanksgiving. We celebrate you now, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.